Welcome to the Menopause Unplugged podcast with me, your host, Nikki Oliveira. On this podcast, we will hear from women who are navigating the challenging and transformative journey of perimenopause and menopause. These women have graciously agreed to share their stories and insights, offering a raw and honest glimpse into what it's like to go through this major life transition. From hot flushes to rediscovering themselves, our guests will provide a wealth of knowledge and inspiration for anyone who's going through or will go through menopause. So grab a cup of tea, settle in and join us for a fascinating and enlightening discussion. Hello and welcome to the Menopause Unplugged podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Oliveira, and I have the lovely Elizabeth all the way from Mexico at the moment with us. How are you doing, Elizabeth? Okay? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about our conversation today. Yes, me too. Cannot wait. Um, so you're you're on the podcast today because um, we, we're going to discuss your menopausal experience. So tell me a little bit about how you um, discovered that you were, in fact, menopausal. Well, so I... I'm postmenopausal, okay. and um, so I assume we're talking about perimenopause as well as menopause, right? Okay. So, um, you know, I think it started when I was kind of in my late 40s, mid-40s. I was a personal trainer at the time, and I was really struggling with diet mentality. I was overworking, working out like lots. Um, and I was like, yeah, my, my cravings and hunger and all of that stuff was really coming to a head. And I just wasn't able to manage my body. Like I thought that I should be able to. And that was when I actually sought out help. I sought out, um, a a naturopath who helped me understand what, how hormones impacted my hunger, my cravings, my energy levels, my sleep. I was getting hot flashes only at night at that time. So I was waking up, you know, just um, sweaty and I wasn't doing it to the extent that I know a lot of women do where they like have to change the sheets, but I was still like sweating a lot in the middle of the night. So I was getting a lot of night sweats and that was my first entry into how you could control or manage symptoms through lifestyle behaviors. Um, and so one of the first things that I did that this naturopath taught me was how much our, um, the last meal of the day will impact our, our sleep, right? And so I took all of the starch out of my last meal and what was so fascinating about that was that my night sweats stopped and then I started adding starch back into my last meal. And what I found out was that potatoes and sweet potatoes yeah. were actually the culprit of my night sweats. It was fascinating. Wow. That is, that is fascinating. Um, so how long did it take your naturopath to, to kind of pin down on that, that, that that's exactly what it was that it was your diet. We were working together for like eight weeks. And so within that time, I really changed my relationship with food in such that I was no longer eating 
to control my body, but rather to manage my symptoms. And it was a completely different way of shifting my brain around food and exercise that I was able to then do the lifestyle habits that made me feel good as opposed to trying to do it with a diet in mind or trying to get to a certain body shape or style. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So did you recognize when you started um, noticing like symptoms, I suppose, did Mm -hmm. you notice, did you notice that they were menopausal symptoms straight off the bat? Were you aware? Probably the night sweats were the first thing. Um, Since I've become more educated around perimenopause and menopause, I now see that I also had like really strong hunger cravings. Um, I don't know that my my sleep disturbances were really from menopause, but rather probably just from waking up with the night sweats, um, anxiety. Um, those were the biggest ones, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you are you now feeling like you have? really controlled those symptoms through like like the lifestyle changes or are you still suffering would you say from some of them no most of my i am able to manage most of my symptoms through diet and lifestyle for sure um so i am postmenopausal now and right around the time that i became postmenopausal I also started noticing uh, hot flashes. Okay. Now I live in Mexico. And so I was like, is this hot flashes or am I just hot because of the weather? I'm not sure. But anyway, um, so from working with that naturopath, one of the things that I really learned was to cut out, and I did this for a month, I cut out all sugar and white flour and my hot flashes went away. And so now what I do is I know that I can have some in my diet. And what that generally works out to is uh, two to three servings per week, anything more than that. And I start to get hot flashes again, but now I really don't. And then something else that I did was I recently uh, changed my relationship with alcohol. And that really reduced not only my insomnia, but also my anxiety. Yeah. Do you, so alcohol is an interesting one because we know that um, our histamine tolerance um, when we're going through the menopause is um, a lot less. So would you say it was a, a histamine issue or it was it just you just couldn't tolerate alcohol, any alcohol? I can tolerate some alcohol. I know that if I have one glass of wine at night that I can probably get through sleeping pretty well, but anything more than that. And I'm kind of tossing and turning or I just wake up really super early. Um, And so what's really interesting about it all with me is that when I was a younger woman, I really took sleep for granted. Like I could sleep anywhere at any time. I would sleep nine hours a night. And so I don't know that I really, I don't want to say respected sleep, but I know I don't really feel like I had really good sleep habits. Mm -hmm. And so when I moved into this phase of life, I really had to become protective over my sleep. And so now 
Like I go to bed every night at like nine o'clock and my friends make fun of me because if we go out to, you know, a bar or something like that, that they might be all drinking and they'll turn around and they'll be like, where'd Elizabeth go? And my husband's like, oh, she went to bed. (laughs) Like what? So yeah, but you know, no one suffers those consequences like you do. And so you have to really prioritize your own self-care, right? Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, sleep sleep hygiene is a is a massive one. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think if if you've never had issues with sleep, then you're not really paying much attention to it until you're not sleeping well, and and it has a knock on effect on absolutely everything else, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I find out that you know the better I sleep, the more I'm able to handle my moods. I'm <laughs> oh yeah, okay. So I was pretty irritable also. I'm still irritable. Like things just set me off. I mean, I think that that's just like the drop in estrogen, right? It's just hormones, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like we are unwilling to tolerate anyone else's BS. Yes. And so, um, yeah, the sleep is really important so that I can at least be a little bit more kind, not only to myself, but other people around me. And um, yeah, it just, it just sets me up for success because then I feel like exercising, which helps with hot flashes and all of that stuff. Yeah. Amazing. So how long do you think that the, that you went through the perimenopausal stage then before you became uh, postmenopausal? Was it um, a long period of time or was it quite short? The cycles, mm. so my my cycle, though though that being irregular, I think was actually a really short amount of time compared to most women. Mm. So I think that from the very beginning of starting to have longer cycles, and as I'm talking, I'm also remembering that when I was back struggling with perimenopause, One of the other things that I did was I actually went to an acupuncturist to help me with the anxiety and with the hot flashes as well. And what was really fascinating about that was that before I had never been regular with my cycles. And after the acupuncturist, I was every 28, 29 days. I can't remember right now. And so up until then, I started getting... Uh, late cycles, then I think that that was probably three years to when I was one year home free. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So quite a relatively short time compared to most. Yeah. Yeah. What's fascinating is I, so the area of Mexico I live in is supposed to be a very fertile area. Okay. And so like I live near Cozumel, And also there's another island called Isla Mujeres. And in Cozumel, there's actually um, ruins Mm -hmm. where people would go for fertility. Oh, wow. And Isla Mujeres, like there's a lot of water in this area. That's where the Mayans used to migrate to. I have a friend who was in menopause. Mm -hmm. She moved here. She went out of menopause, started having her cycles regularly again, and then left again, and now is menopausal again. It's fascinating. That is, yeah. 
It must be, do you think it's something to do with like the energies or something? Yeah, I don't know. Wow. It's, it's interesting to like just think about like yeah. where you live and what, yeah, that what the energy is could influence your your cycle like that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, So I know you, you mentioned you've seen an acupuncturist and a naturopath for mm-hmm. menopausal symptoms. Was there any point that you went down, uh, that you decided to, to go down the medical route and and speak to a, a you know, like a, a medical doctor? Or did you just decide that that wasn't for you, you know, to go down the, the sort of hormone replacement therapy route? Yeah, my, I don't think that my symptoms were that severe that I needed <laughs> to do HRT. Yeah. Um, that being said, I did read books. So I read the books from um, Sarah, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Okay. Okay. Um, and she does a lot with lifestyle as well. Um, so that actually just really resonated with me. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that I judge HRT or any other drugs. Um, it just wasn't something that I really felt like I needed to do. My symptoms just weren't that severe. Yeah. And I think now more and more, I think women are looking at the, like, you know, other factors like their lifestyle, exercise, um, general stress management before they mm-hmm. turn to look down the medical route of, you know, let's top up our hormones, you know, yeah. that we're lacking. It's definitely mm-hmm. a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. So um, did menopause, well, perimenopause and postmenopause, has it affected your personal relationships at all, like with your, with your friends or partners or anybody like that? Um, well, you know, so I was reading, no, I wasn't reading. I was listening to Dr. Sarah Gottfried and she was talking about how when we go through menopause, our estrogen drops. Yeah. And what's fascinating about that is that when our estrogen drops, well, so as younger women, we are constantly looking for other people's approval right? And were people pleasing. And she suggested that that was actually biologically like safety, that because we needed to reproduce, that that was just something natural that would happen in our bodies. And as we move into menopause, our estrogen drops and we get this I'm not putting up with other people's BS like gene, right? Yeah. And so has it impacted my relationships? Well, I can tell you that I don't, I don't want to say I don't people please, but it is one of my goals to stop people pleasing and to stop acting like a doormat and, you know, really take control of my life Mm. because like it's my life. Right. And I I think that that's something very common Mm. for other women in our in this stage right yeah absolutely I think even when you come into your 30s you know you start looking at the circle around you and thinking I don't want your negative energy in my circle you know um, my time and my energy is precious and I think that only gets more and more um, noticeable at at the older that you get for sure Mm -hmm. yeah and more important of course 
Mm -hmm. So to answer your question directly, how Mm -hmm. has it impacted my relationships? It has impacted my relationships in that I'm standing up for myself Mm -hmm. where before I probably wasn't as much. But I don't know that it's really affected my relationships in terms of, um, you know, not wanting to go out with friends just because of symptoms or things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So it's not had a, like a negative impact, which is, which is really good. Um, because yeah, I think a lot of women do find themselves, you know, um, just sort of burying their heads in the sand until they get their heads around things and then suddenly realize, oh my gosh, you know, so much time has passed and Mm -hmm. yeah, it seems to definitely be a common theme. Mm Mm-hmm. For sure. So, um, obviously, being a, a fitness professional too, um, obviously, exercise has obviously been a huge part of your life, um, so so far. So, um, let's talk a little bit about that. So, what what does your what did your training or has your training evolved, and what does that kind of look like now? Oh, good question. Yeah. So, um, just to be clear, I was a personal trainer. I now actually coach, uh, do health coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, but that being said, as a younger woman, so I competed in a bodybuilding competition when I was like, I don't know, 33 or something like that. And I remember thinking at the time that I was always going to want to look like that and lift heavy and thing, you know, whatever. And a few years ago, I actually had an injury probably from lifting really heavy weights, which I love lifting heavy weights. But Mm -hmm. what I was starting to notice, um, so this would have been probably at my early fifties. Okay. Um, so just before I was menopausal. And so what I started to notice was that my body just couldn't recover from those lifting sessions. Right. And so um, what I ended up doing, which is what I do now, is I do uh, weight training at home. Mm -hmm. I do what I call lift weights faster. So I lift weights in a way that it gets my heart rate up. And um, it, it just feels good. And so I'm able to do what I want to do, I still feel strong and I don't have that, that pain and recovery time that I need from my body. One thing that I did also notice is when I turned 40, all of a sudden, like if I took a week off of training, that my body was so super sore after I would take a week off. So I would have to do a week or two of body weight only exercises before I started doing weight training again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Just to build Mm -hmm. yourself back up to that place again. Exactly. Yeah. But just after taking a week off, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Because when you were younger, you wouldn't have felt like you needed to do that, right? No, not at all. I would have been able to, you know, go back to whatever training program I was on and just pick up where I'd left off. Mm. Like after a week of vacation. Yeah. Wow. Can't do that anymore. Yeah. So, um, are you, so, so you're doing weight training at home um, Mm and lifting fast, which is great. I love altering tempo. I think don't need to Uh try anything new, you know, incorporate new um, techniques of exercises. It's just changing up the tempo and it can make such a big difference. Absolutely. Um, so aside from that, 
um are you just are you finding yourself just doing some more like cardio based exercise just like just getting out and walking and things like that good question. I was just talking <laughs> to some folks about this yesterday that when I think about the future version of myself like when I think about my old age yeah I think about how I am going to be doing yoga every day mm-hmm. I actually really dislike doing yoga <laughs> and yet I somehow have this vision of like the 75 year old version of me being fit through yeah. doing yoga. I don't know how that's going to work, but anyway, <laughs> um, I will run on occasion, but not to the extent that I did as a younger woman. So one of the things that when I worked with that naturopath, I was really, I was running for an hour a day and then I was going to the gym and I was lifting heavy for another 45 minutes. Oh, wow. And what we know about women in menopause or as we age and our hormones is that we become really sensitive to stress and exercise is a stress, right? Absolutely. And so by doing shorter workouts, it acts as a stress reliever. Um, And so now I do 20 to 30 minutes of strength training, cardio combination, Mm -hmm. and then I'll do a little bit of walking and I'll walk. Maybe I'll run once or twice a week, but it's not for an hour. It's really only for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And that's really just more on days when I feel like I need that lower anxiety. Like I need to, you know, really hit it hard and get rid of my anxiety. Absolutely. Yeah. I I always preach that to um, clients and friends that, you know, you don't have to go hard. You don't need to go and spend hours and hours and hours in the gym or, you know, um, doing training of any kind is, you know, short, sharp, sharp bursts can make all the difference. And, and it could be just what your body needs at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but yet culturally, we're told that we need to be at the gym for an hour. Yeah. Right? Yes. And so it's it's a hard mindset to break. Mm. Like, that, oh, you mean I can work out for 20 minutes and actually feel good and that's good enough? Mm. Absolutely. But I mean, from, from a, a personal trainer to a personal trainer... I mean, we you know we we know we need to incorporate a a warm up, uh, an actual workout, a cool down, a, you know, stretching, all of mm-hmm. that, all in all into that time. So, so yeah, but I think a lot of people tend to skip all of that bit and just you know think it's all about the hardcore lifting. Mm-hmm. That that's the important part that you need to do for for the whole hour, and it and it really isn't. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> absolutely so um is there anything that you wish you had known before entering the menopause perimenopause oh wow what a question um <laughs> is there anything you know I think that it's frustrating mm. I learned a statistic recently that said that up until the 1950s women were actually excluded from medical research because our bodies were considered too complicated. Yeah. And that's effed up. Absolutely. (laughs) And 
like we don't talk about so you know first of all thank you Nikki for having this show because we don't talk enough about what is happening with us and like mm -hmm. at, at this point you know we could go to our mothers and ask hey mom when did you start perimenopause when did you start menopause what were your symptoms but like would she even know i mean sure there's the quintessential hot flashes night sweats um insomnia maybe yeah. maybe weight gain like what did she know my mom has since passed but like women 50 years ago didn't know they were more in the dark than we are today 100% and there's a lot of shame that goes along with talking about your cycle like men don't want to hear about it right yeah and 50% of the population has will or is going through this process. And so we really need to bring it out of the closet and into the daylight. hundred percent. So I don't know. Um, you know, is there one thing in particular that I wish that I had known about it? I, I don't think so. I just, I, I somehow think in the back of my head thought that I was going to avoid it. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't know, my, one day my cycle would just stop and I wouldn't notice any difference. And as a younger woman, I think that I really judged older women yeah. who gained weight or, you know, weren't as active um, because their bodies just couldn't take it, right? Like, like mine. Like, yeah. I think that the younger version of me would probably be like, oh, come on, Elizabeth, let's lift heavy, you know, yeah. or you can run harder, you can do more. Um, but, you know, I don't know if it's that or if it's part of me saying, yeah, but I don't want that anymore. That's not as important to me, mm -hmm. like looking a certain way. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I, I totally agree. I mean, my mum's also since passed, um, but I don't think I really know a lot about her, even her sort of medical history um, in general. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I know she had a hysterectomy maybe around about five years after having me. Um, and that's about it. So, like, knowing now what I know, as a, obviously, as a menopause support coach, she would have been, well, I don't even know if her ovaries were removed or not. Was she, you know, clinically put into menopause and, and how did she cope with that? And yeah. the struggles that she went through in her life, um, were they down to menopausal symptoms, you know? And I think mm -hmm. you're right. We need to start normalizing this conversation. And it's not just between mothers and daughters. It needs to be a, amongst peers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. just saying you know I feel really bad today because this is all this is what's going on with me um and and yeah and women need to start seeking that advice as well um from others from um even if they don't have anyone in their close circle who is going through the same it's you know accessing uh groups and you know jumping on Facebook um for for support that way. So I think there's a lot more of that going on now, which is, which is good to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, and I don't know if it's just, you know how as a younger woman, when you think that you're pregnant, all of a sudden you see all of these ads for babies and you see <laughs> babies all around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know if it's just because I'm in menopause, I now see all of these amazing resources or if it's that they're new because it feels like to me, they've all popped up within the past three or four years. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the fact that celebrities are talking more about it, I think is helping the movement Mm -hmm. um, massively. I mean, in the UK here, we've got um, we've got a few a few people, um, famous people who are ladies, also famous ladies, seriously, um, who are really flying the flag the flag for us. You know, making documentaries and and just making it really accessible. I think the language that we use around menopause and s- stories it it needs to be relatable, um, rather than just medical t- medical talk a lot of the time because I think um the resources that I've looked at um a lot of the time can just just make you you know feel like you need to scratch your head a little bit and go eh what's what you know what does that actually mean for me so I think um and and I think you know when you mentioned earlier that you know you started reading books um even since I've been in this space I've been reading a lot more books just for the awareness of what is getting put out there and I think there's Mm -hmm. a lot more um you know speaking on our level rather than you know speaking kind of medical jargon to us in in these books which I think is really helpful yeah absolutely it's yeah it's really good to have just simple things that people can get resources from. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So my final question, uh, is yes. there any advice that you would like to give to anyone who's about to go through menopause or is currently going through it just now? I think that, you know, it just what we've been talking about, which is it is manageable and it's not a death sentence. I talk to so many women who are like, oh, my life is over. And, you know, that's part of menopause. And I think it's part of ageism, which is, it's all like tied up together. Right. Yeah. And so like really being able to understand that, you know, when you're in your fifties, life actually gets better. I just actually am reading a book right now called this chair rocks. Mm -hmm. And I forget who the, um, the author is, but she talks about something called the U curve of happiness. And what's fascinating about it is that when you look at the self-reported happiness of people, that we are happiest at both ends of the spectrum of our life. So when we're very young and actually when we're very old and we are our most unhappy (laughs) in our 40s and 50s. Right. And so what's amazing about this is just understanding that it's all going to get better. Yeah. And we think that going, getting older, aging just means that we are, you know, that life is over, but there's a lot of life ahead of you. And so it's, you got everything. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Be hopeful. And there is light at the end of the tunnel, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Elizabeth, for joining us today. Um, that's been a really enlightening conversation. So um, I think we'll end the recording here. Yep. Great. Thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to Menopause Unplugged. I hope you find the conversation to be informative, enlightening and empowering. Remember, menopause is a natural part of a woman's life journey, but it doesn't have to be a lonely one. Whether you're experiencing perimenopause or menopause, my menopause coaching programme can provide reassurance and guidance. Please do reach out to me through my contact details on the show description. And until next time, take care.